Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
עוד יום שישי נושם את האוויר, האור והצל משחקים שוב תופסת. השולחן ערוך, תמונות ילדות על הקיר, שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת. והריח הזה, שזורק לי את הלב, מתגנב, מתגנב, ופותח דלתות, אל אושר קטן, אל אותו שיר ישן, שעובר אצלנו במשך דור. מתנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה, עיגולים של אמונה, מתנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר יום שישי, מרפשת ועיתון, השמש כמו הדאגות לאט נמחקת. מנגינות פשוטות, זוחלות מהחלון, ושום שערה כבר לא תסתיר פה את השקט. מתנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה. של אמונה, מתנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר פעם Rami Kleinstein with a song introduced us a little while ago, Matanot Ketanot. Really beautiful selection, especially on an Erev Shabbos broadcast here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard Eitan Katz, Pe'ero Alai from Unplugged, volume number two. L'chaim Tish with Ka'echsof, Hazamer, and Hashabbos. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. 
as we say good morning. J.M. and A.M. Friday on this January 29th, the 19th day in the month of Shvat. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Yisro, with candle lighting time at 4.50 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.50 candle lighting time. Waking up to sad news. A uh, giant rabbi and noted postsaker by Chaim Yisrael Belsky passed away at the age of 78. As the uh, article says here, a remarkable Tamil Chacham, a posek for the world's largest kashrus agency and the rabbi of Camp Aguda in Liberty, New York, for many, many years. He spent his formative years in Yeshiva Torvadas, Talmud of Ramosha Feinstein, and le- later learned to base Medish Elyon in Muncie. Ravelsky was um, just so such a giant in in all Jewish circles and he had been sick for a while as we know and um, and yesterday passed away at the age of 78 the Leviah, the funeral um, I believe is 10 o'clock this morning at Yeshiva Tarvadas in uh Brooklyn, New York. And again, Ravelsky, one of those um, incredible Torah giants who has left such a such an imprint, such a mark on so many, on so many. Said is this morning, and um, we fondly remember Ravelsky here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast with 36 degrees, 64% humidity, winds are south at 3 miles per hour. Showers today with a high temperature of 42, then tonight mostly clear, low temperature of 27. Tomorrow partly cloudy, a high temperature of 40 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 45. We're at 36 degrees here on a Friday morning, JM in the AM. As we continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. And I'm told that we are having trouble with our NahumSiegel.com websites. I apologize for that. Hopefully those uh, difficulties will be rectified very, very soon. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. Oh, 
עטרת בעלה, גם ברינה. Rogers Park. 
It's a brand new one called The Magid. Uh, Jakob Schwecki before that with Bowie. You heard the Friedman family. My Zadie's Miros with Curry Bone. Schwebel Sharf and Levine off volume number four with Curry Bone. And you heard Rami Kleinstein in there. Matanat Ketanot. Good selection for an Erev Shabbos. Friday morning broadcast, Jam in the AM. We told you earlier of the passing of Ravelski, who um, uh, passed away last night, and the funeral taking place 10 o'clock this morning, Yeshiva Tarvadas, of course, in Brooklyn, New York. And then he will be flown to Israel after Shabbos. And, of course, um, a great loss for the Jewish people collectively. And our condolences to the entire family from all of us here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Our listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Malcolm Holine will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. I'm told Moshe Kindelera, the Jewish link. New Jersey is going to be joining us in the 7 o'clock hour as well. Talk a little bit about next week and the kosher halftime show that now has a star attached to it. Leap is going to be performing next Saturday night at the Teaneck Doghouse in a show that we prepare just hours before the kosher halftime show. We are having trouble with the NahumSiegel.com website. My apologies. We are having trouble with the NahumSiegel.com website. We are hoping it is rectified soon. Gali Tal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday Arab Shabbos next. Boker Tov from Jamesh. אני אוסיף את הדברים האלה. גדודי אל-קסאם ממשיכים במערכה בדרך של מוכנות והכשרה. לדבריו, ההתנגדות מצויה כל הזמן במצב של הכנה מתמשכת. במזרח עזה, גיבורים חופרים בסלע ובונים מנהרות. במערבה מבצעים ניסויים בטילים מדי יום. ההתנגדות ממשיכה בדרכה לשחרור האדמה. אני אדיבר בהלוויית שבעת הרוגי הזרוע הצבאית של חמאס שהתקיימה היום בעזה. השבעה נהרגו בקריסת מנהרה. שבועיים אחרי הסרת העיצומים, האם תהרן מתגרה באמריקנים? האיראנים מפיצים סרטון שצילם מזל"ט שלהם מעל כלי שיט אמריקני. כתבנו תאו וייס. בטלוויזיה הממלכתית באיראן דווח שמזל"ט טס מעל נושאת המטוסים של חיל הים האמריקני הנמצאת במפרץ הפרסי. על פי הדיווח, כלי הטיס צילם את נושאת המטוסים במהלך תרגיל ימי, אך לא פורסם מתי התבצעה הטיסה. לאחר שבוע קר עם טמפרטורות נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, סוף השבוע אמור להיות חמים מעט יותר. אתר החרמון יתמלא היום לגמרי, הוא סגור כעת לכניסת מבקרים נוספים. מהצפון מדווח כתבנו גיא ורון. אלפי אנשים הגיעו משעות הבוקר לאתר החרמון שהתמלא עד אפס מקום, והם נהנים מכחצי מטר של שלג שהשאירה הסופה האחרונה. מזג האוויר הנעים הביא רבים לגליל העליון והגולן, והוא צפוי להימשך גם מחר ולמשוך מטיילים. ולסיום, עשור לפטירתה של מלכת הזמר העברי, כלת פרס ישראל שושנה דמארי. כתבנו נוב ראובני שוחח היום באזכרה בבית העלמין בתל אביב עם חנן יובל, אילנית ועידן רייכל. אישה מקסימה, כולה מלאת חיים. אני חושב ששושנה דמארי לא צריך להזכיר את פועלה. הוא קיים שם. אין ולא הייתה זמרת כמוה. השירים שהפכו לנכס צאן ברזל ונשארו פה לנצח. היא הייתה בטיימינג של מדינה שבדרך, מדינה שנולדה, והיא הייתה פס הקול של כל התהליך הזה. זמרת ענקית, זמרת נפלאה, היפהפייה. 
ולמועדי כניסת השבת, פרשת יתרו, בירושלים 4.34, בתל אביב 4.49, בחיפה 4.39, ובאר שבע תיכנס השבת בשעה 4.53. אלה החדשות שערך עומר בן רובי, שבת שלום.
J.M. and the A.M. That's uh, Vishamru, brand new from uh, Shalshalos Jr., volume number three. CD is entitled Thank You. Peiro done by Shlomo Simcha off of the Fusion CD. Quarter after 7 o'clock on a Friday morning air of Shabbos. Again, we note with uh, sadness the passing over of Belsky. Have a blessed memory. The uh, funeral taking place at Yeshiva Tarvadas, of course, 10 o'clock this morning. He'll be flown to Israel tomorrow night. Um... We have a, um, on, a we, on occasion, we uh, study the laws of Chesed of the Chavetz Chaim, Nishmas, my mother, Esther Basar Yosef Halevi. And the Chavetz Chaim writes, if a poor man and a rich man come to borrow money from somebody, and the poor man is also known to be trustworthy, or he gives him a security, and he can't lend to both of them, the poor man takes precedence. As the Pasuk relates in Shmos, when you lend to my people, to the poor among you. Regarding this, Chazal have said, a poor man and rich man, the poor man takes precedence, even if the rich man is from his city and is also his relative, and the poor man is not his relative and not from his city, still the poor man is given first preference. If both men are poor and one needs money for food, the other for clothing, he must lend to the one who needs food since he is under more duress. One of the halachas in the laws of the mitzvah of lending money in the Chavetz Chaim's Avas Chesed, Zechen Nishmas, Le'ilu Nishmas, Esther Basar Yosef Halevi, and I thank you. Quarter after 7 o'clock, weekly update coming up at 7.40 this morning with Malcolm Holmlander by Uden, of course, and plenty more on a Friday morning broadcast. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
Yo y la 
J.M. in the A.M. It's Baruch Levine off of the Bunim Atem CD here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Yelly Greenfeld selection, Hodu. Weekly update, Malcolm Holmline coming up, plenty more. I want to thank Moshe Kindlerer and his uh, staff at the um, Jewish Link of New Jersey. They, As they said they would, they made a very big deal about the fact that we're heading to Bergen County next weekend. Because, uh, as was announced yesterday, Lipa, that's right, Lipa himself is going to be performing in the Kosher Halftime Show that we're going to be recording at the Teaneck Doghouse next Saturday night on the 6th of February to air, to be made available by us uh, the next day during halftime 
on February the 7th. Moshe Kindlerer, Jewish Link of New Jersey, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks, Malcolm. Good morning. Happy to be here. It's, uh, it's always great to be on. Uh, really great. I appreciate that. So this is, uh, this is big news, huh, to say the least. It's, it's page one news, as they would say in your industry. <laughs> Yes, Nachum, absolutely. I'm really, we're really happy to, oh, firstly, you should know, Nachum, I'm always happy to put you on the front page of the Jewish Link. <laughs> you should know that. Uh, and I, w- I just want to say, actually, a little bit of public service announcement for all those who do watch the Super Bowl. Nachum, we owe you a tremendous kudos and a karatato because of the kosher halftime show. I just think that the whole concept behind the show is such a wonderful idea. I just, I've always, I've always, I love the, I love it. Uh, I mean, I've loved it since, we, since it started uh, two, three years ago. And, you know, Kane Yearbrough, I'm actually going to ask you on the show if you're thinking about game, you know, NCAA Finals, uh, World Series, uh, <laughs> or, you know, NBA Finals, what's next for Nachum Siegel? Well, that's a good, yeah, maybe March Madness at some point. But uh, right now we're concentrating on this, and uh, there's been, been a big announcement, as you know, Lipa, who is one of the uh, unique and uh, one of the performers, you never know You never know what's going to happen when Leaper performs. And next Saturday night, he will be at the Teaneck Doghouse in New Jersey, in Teaneck, New Jersey. And we'll be pre-recording that, uh, uh, that segment to be aired the next day, to be made available to the public. And it should be a lot of fun. Now, uh, there is, you asked me something off the air, which is really uh, an interesting question. There is, I mean, there's space at the Teaneck Doghouse, but obviously limited space like any facility. And it seems already, I don't know if you're getting this feeling, it seems already that a lot of people want to be there when all this takes place on Saturday night at 9 p.m. So to answer your question that you asked me off the air before, if we're looking for people or if we're recruiting people to come on down, I don't know if it's necessary. At this point, it seems like uh, we're going to have a massive crowd no matter what. (laughs) First of all, it's nice to be able to say they're going to have a massive crowd, and I think you probably will. Um, I hope to be there. Certainly a lot of good friends will be there. Certainly, friends and family uh, in the doghouse. Lipa has a lot of fans, as you know, in, uh, in Bergen County and Teaneck for sure. Um, you know, I just—it's uh, up to you guys. You know, I just the thing. The fact is, it's already. I think I'll be honest with you, Nachum. It's too late. It's already on the cover of the. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the first paragraph of the article, we invite the community. So the community is invited. Yeah, uh, they're to in the doghouse they're, next Moses Shabbos. They're invited. I can't guarantee how comfortable it's going to be because hopefully the crowd's going to be a little too big. But hey. Uh, that's a great problem to have, that's for sure. Moshe Kindler is with us, Jewish Link of New Jersey. Tell us about the paper, what is going on on the New Jersey end, and I know with all the uh, different expansions and markets that you're looking at or have already looked at, explain to everybody what's going on. Sure, absolutely. Just quickly, uh, we started about three years ago as Jewish Link of Bergen County. About, uh, we started as a biweekly about two years ago on our anniversary. We became a weekly paper. And about a year ago, we actually we expanded, changed our name from Jewish Link of Bergen County to Jewish Link of New Jersey, which means we're serving Essex Union. For those that don't know, it's that's Elizabeth, Linden, Springfield, West Orange, Livingston. We also, by the way, do free home delivery to Passaic. And actually, in the next three, four weeks, by the end of February, we will be fully expanding to what's Middlesex County, which is uh, it's, it's East Brunswick, Highland Park, Edison. Uh, we also be expanding coverage in Passaic. Uh, Lakewood, I probably won't get to because there's a lot of good papers out there already. But uh, the truth is, uh, you know, the Jewish link in New Jersey will be covering uh, New Jersey. Uh, you know, are the communities that that are served in the community, the serve that serve, sorry, that read the paper. That you know, I'm not sure if you want to say it's a little more modern, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, the communities here that uh, you and I both know so well have so many family and friends in. And uh, I just want to say that uh, there will be more expansions, uh, God willing, in the future. 
Uh, not sure yet. We are thinking about a Florida paper as well, hoping that will happen in the next six to eight months. Well, there was an announcement we had here that went where? That went up to uh, the Bronx in Westchester? Is that yeah, where it went? Sure. Yeah, the, the, actually, the Jewish link, you're going to laugh. It's funny that we talked today. Today is actually the one-year anniversary of the of our second paper, the Jewish link of the Bronx, Westchester, Connecticut, which is a smaller paper than our New Jersey paper. It's serving Riverdale, Scarsdale, New Rochelle, White Plains, Stamford, okay? And it's been the reception has been really, really nice. It's a bi-monthly, every other Thursday paper. Uh, the community has warmed to it, and uh, God willing, it will just keep growing and growing. Yeah, what is the reaction every time you went through a new area? Uh, let's see. It's interesting. First of all, it's a shock uh, that there are people, you know, that, you know, the outside of the Jewish community, it's very, very hard for people to understand that print is not dead. Okay? I mean, there are people look, when I tell people outside the Orthodox Jewish community that I'm, that I'm in the print newspaper business, they think I'm crazy. Okay? <laughs> they think I'm a sugar. And uh, then when people realize, hey, it's coming to our house, and you know what? It's about our lives. It's about our communities. It's about our institutions, our schools, our schools, our yeshiva leagues. And then people realize, you know what? This paper is really for me. And, you know, I thought you were crazy, Moshe, when you started, but you know what? I like it, and uh, it takes time. I find that it takes you know four, six, eight months uh, for people to realize, hey, you know what, this paper actually is relevant and meaningful. And uh, and thank God. The, 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 but the answer is, is that at the beginning, people don't understand, or people think they understand. Uh, I'll never forget when I was uh, trying to start the paper here. People who had never heard of you know other papers like the Five Town Jewish Times or the Flatbush Jewish Journal, they didn't understand it. And uh, but I really, you know, we've won everyone over. Uh, we're still we're still doing that in uh, in Bronx, Westchester, Connecticut. But uh, we're, we're winning, and, uh, you know, it, it, thank God we're growing. Very nice. Well, congratulations on all of that. Uh, uh, the the New Jersey paper, for the most part, is actually delivered door-to-door at this point, right? Yeah, we, we can't do delivery. The, the goal is ultimately to offer. Uh, we do delivery in Bergen and Passaic counties. My joke about Bergen County is where the eight towns, not the five towns, because uh, <laughs> the eight towns are where the, where the religious community is living. Uh, we, we do it also in Passaic. We deliver right down to about two, three hundred families in Passaic. Passaic probably has about two thousand, eighteen hundred families total where we're, we're going to get there. Uh, we are not able yet to do free home delivery. Uh, in the in the in the, in the areas for the south to, to of Teaneck, like Elizabeth and West Orange and Livingston, we do deliver though at every single kosher store, shul, school, and people do get it there. You do distribute as well as possible, huh? Mm-hmm. We Simple have to. Uh, well, there you have it. The big story, if you look at the uh, at the front page of the Jewish Link of New Jersey, is of course the kosher halftime show. We are going to be uh, presenting that Saturday night, a week from tomorrow night at the Teaneck Doghouse in Teaneck, New Jersey. Looking forward to it with Lipa, of course, with all the action. Uh, Neshama Orchestra has been uh, very cooperative, as are our friends up at Yeshiva University and at the Shari Tzedek, and, um, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, am I forgetting somebody? If I am, I'll certainly make it up to them. Uh, so I want to thank all of them who have been very helpful in presenting the show for this coming Saturday night, and of course it will be made available Sunday um, for everybody to enjoy. It's a kosher halftime show. It's it's more than just tuning in and watching it at some point, which we hope everybody does. It is a concept, as Moshe Kindler alluded to earlier. It's a concept. It's a statement, making a statement about family values, about having alternatives, and about dealing with regular secular society in a responsible way. And I'm glad you get it, and I'm glad we have your support. Oh, thank you, Nachman. The truth is, actually, what you just said makes perfect sense. It's very much about who we are, how we are raised, as uh, how we are trained and raised, educated as uh, religious Jews, being part of the world, and also 
you know, just you know, living living fully in, the, in American society, but also you know, you know, responsibly as well and Jewishly as, as much as possible. No I want to give a shout out also to our to our friends, uh, Jonathan Gellis family, Jonathan Gellis, who happens to share the stage on the front page of the paper. That's right. You know, there's a running joke, unfortunately, in our town. The doghouse was on the cover last week of the Jewish Link, and we just I can't seem to get the doghouse or the Gellis family off the cover. They just <laughs> have to keep on being on the cover. Well, well deserved. They've been amazing. They're going to be great hosts for us as they've been so far, and we thank them very, very much. Mm-hmm. Moshe Kindler, Jewish Link of New Jersey, a big yeshikach to you. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next Saturday night. Looking forward. Looking there he forward is, now. Moshe Kindler. Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is. He is uh, with the Jewish League publisher of the Jewish Link of New Jersey and all the uh, different um, branches of the Jewish Link of New Jersey, and we thank him very, very much. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Yisrael, with candlelighting time at 4.50 on this Friday Erev Shabbos, Malcolm Holmline coming up, weekly update and plenty more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Leviathan with Boy Shalom. Leap of before that, star of the uh, 2016 Kosher Halftime Show coming up next week. Erev Shabbos Parshas Yisro with candlelighting at 4.50. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our live stream to all their amazing listeners, or readers, I should say. If you want to print out a million articles about Israel and the Jewish world before uh, Shabbos, you go to JewishWorldReview.com and take care of that. Also, a big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas.com who continue to include our material in their incredible news feed, which is way beyond all the smachot that they're always reporting. They have great news from Israel and, and other news from Israel. Uh, that's always dominating their news feed, and I appreciate the fact that a lot of what we do here makes it into that feed on a regular basis. Thank you, OnlySimchas.com. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, and always good to be with you. I appreciate that. We note the passing of Ravelsky, and in addition, of course, to the community uh, suffering the loss and uh, the funeral taking place at Tarvadas in Brooklyn this morning at 10 o'clock. He'll be flown to Israel. Many people, of course, know the details already. Uh, but I think there's something unique to be said about a rabbi, a Torah giant, who really um, had a place in so many parts of the community. Uh, with such great respect across the board. And I thought that uh, in light of some of the news we've been talking about recently and how we like to emphasize news that is unifying and uh, you know can be looked at in a positive way, you look at his life, he was uh, certainly attractive to so many different areas of Orthodox Jewish life. It is true, and his work with the OU and Kashrus and uh, the fact that people of all kinds turn to him uh, people don't know because I think he was less flamboyant or, or as uh, public in his way, that he was very modest, um, that he was really one of the great minds of our time, of um, people who knew him and alert him and who uh, are in a position to judge a thing like that, uh, spoke of his uh, of uh, him being a Taman Chacham of such great stature. So we remember him, and again, the funeral this morning, he'll be flown to Israel, and uh, it seems that, uh, well, not every week, but it seems that we are uh, we're losing some key people in our community. Too often. Too often is right. Last week we spoke about Ronnie Greenwald, and I want to point something else out. Um, I'm not even sure if you know the news, frankly, because I don't know, you know if you had been uh, uh, informed, but... Um, I don't know if you know that uh, Mr. Israel Shia Deer passed away this week. Now, oh no, yes, and you know him, of course. Yes, of course. And I'm and and frankly, I am glad you reacted the way you just did because he was somebody who was was very concerned about the future of Israel and the Jewish people, and made it known to you and many others on a regular basis. And just yeah, absolutely did, but he he was such a sweet and uh, wonderful man who was always there every year for your marathon. That's right. They're waiting to take the pictures and <laughs> uh, did it with such enthusiasm and such uh, total commitment. Uh, and, and last, I appreciate that, and I'm sure everyone does. It certainly his family. And, and last week we got into a conversation for a moment about the difference one person can make. And, you know, some people might think that's only in a high-profile position or in a, uh, you know, somebody who's well-known to the uh, to the vast public. He would stand 
many days during the week for a long period of time with a sign outside of the Israeli consulate making his opinion known about what was going on in Israel. And that was his, I don't remember exactly how many afternoons, I tend to think it was about four afternoons a week, but that was his activity, to stand there and just, you know, as people would stop and speak to him about the words on the sign and the position that he's taking, that he'd be able to explain it to them, and, you know, silently, in, in a way, but in a respectful manner, you know, make the point. And I just think this theme that we started last week about one man, one person, making a difference out there. Everybody has their role. Everybody has their ability to do so. And uh, and like I say, uh, it's not just here at our fundraiser, but in so many other forums, you had the opportunity to meet him and to hear his point of view, always with respect, but always with great conviction. Absolutely. We remember Mr. Israel Shayadir, and our condolences to his family. His family is sitting Shiva down in Philadelphia where one or more of his uh, children live, and uh, anybody who needs details can certainly contact us. He will be missed, and uh, the Mizrahi, Apollo Mizrahi on the Lower East Side, where he would come so often, walk over to Williamsburg Bridge to join us in Shabbos and Yontif. We will certainly uh, miss him as well. Uh, JM and the AM weekly update time. You know, it's, uh, it's funny that it seems that the, the top story out of Israel this week is that everybody in Israel is angry at LeBron James. Are you following that? <laughs> <laughs> about David Blatt, yeah, uh, the firing of him from the Cavs. <laughs> oh, you really? I can't are. Say I follow it very closely, but I am aware of it. Yeah, you're really following it. I see. Yeah, that seems to be. I'll, I'll tell you. Sometimes it's good that that's the, the, the news of the day. Frankly, um, we had a good record, and, and despite that, so see, nobody should believe that they're above being fired. That's or, right. That's never right. take for granted what you have. That's such a good point. Yeah, I never even thought of it from that way. Just kept thinking about how unfair it was from his angle. So what was it that Ban Ki-moon said this week that got everybody so upset? Ban Ki-moon gave a speech at the United Nations where they had a day-long uh, attack on the Middle East. Uh, and, of course, Syria got you know 30 seconds, Iraq probably 10 seconds. And the bulk of the time was devoted to Palestinian-Israeli conflict, uh, and certainly in his remarks. And what was most troubling uh, and got the reaction was his comments seemingly justifying or seeking to explain the uh, wave of terror, the knife fada, the stabbings, etc., that have taken place by saying that it's the occupation and that it's a human reaction to the, to the occupation, and I think the, um, that any effort to try to explain away terrorism or to try to, which gives the appearance, I'm sure it was not the intent to justify terrorism, but not to acknowledge and, and to at least go as far as some of the leadership, the Palestinian leadership themselves and, and Hamas leaders, who, who, one of whom in, in the same time frame said, it's not despair, it's jihad that's behind the violence. And this is a holy war by the Palestinian people against Zionist occupation, and only a holy war will drive them out of it. But he's not talking about uh, you know, a settlement or anything else. He's talking about, uh, about Israel per se. And the prime minister uh, used an interesting phrase. He said that he's giving a tailwind to terrorism uh, by his comments. And the... Um, they did not back off of it, but his uh, comments was that the construction and at the sites, et cetera, uh, has to be stopped. 
and I think it's a general recognition right now that hey, this is not the the, the big issue in the Middle East or number number two or three, but more importantly is that that the incitement coming from the Palestinian Authority, which continues unabated, when you have a senior Palestinian Authority official from his own Fatah party, from a, the PA uh, president's own Fatah party, said that a two-state solution is uh, with uh, Jerusalem as the capital of a state based in the West Bank, uh, would be a phase, mm-hmm. ultimately resulting in a single Palestinian state covering, as he said, it stretches from the river to the sea. And that was Tawfiq Tarawi, and he's a member of the Central Committee. He, that receives almost no comment, and he he um, he is only one of several who have made these kind of outrageous comments. And therefore, the the comment, the the speech by the Secretary General was all the more disturbing. And this during the week when the United Nations uh, commemorates Holocaust Day, right? Relatively new. Uh uh, there, is, there was designated a few years ago, and right. every year there is a ceremony, and it's a very moving one. This time it featured the father of the deputy representative of Israel, the permanent representative to the United Nations, David Rhodes' father, who is a survivor. <coughs> and the ceremony itself is, uh, is meaningful. And it's interesting to see around the world how uh, you know, this, this International Holocaust Day uh, which marks the liberation of Auschwitz, the the um, commemorations that took place in official venues, you know, in in uh, legislatures, in uh, uh, and is the occasion um, was also the occasion even for President Obama to visit the Israeli embassy, and for the first time ever in history, I think, that a sitting president spoke at Israeli embassy. I remember when Clinton went there for. Signed the memorial book for Rabin, but I think it's the first time ever that he gave a speech, and it was a, a, a very a moving speech. And he picked up on a line from a Sergeant uh, Edmonds, uh, Raleigh Edmonds, who, uh, when he was asked by a Nazi commandant to, to uh, line everybody up outside their, their bunkhouses and to identify who was Jewish, and he stood and he said, We are all Jews here. Hmm. And he was the highest-ranking American non-commissioned officer at uh, at this Ziegenhain Stalag, and he had more than a thousand fellow prisoners who stood together and refused to identify to or to uh, um, single out the, the the Jews amongst those who who were there. And the president picked up on that theme and said that we are all Jews, etc. And in Italy, it's interesting to see a poll a study that they just did in, in conjunction with this. And while it showed that 91% or 81% of the people feel they, they learned a lot from it and others uh, cited, you know, the importance, et cetera, of doing it, the number of people who said that it's lost its meaning or that it's, uh, it should be just for Jews, about 16%, uh, and around 20% that said, you know, that this is no longer meaningful. It's a disturbing statistic, but overwhelmingly the people's response to the other questions was was very strong. Uh, but it is amazing that now, you know, 70 years later, more than 70 years later, we are still seeing this event commemorated in a way that few historical events are. Yeah, that's true. 
There was a report out of Israel. The United States uh, State Department has said that products made in uh, Judea and Samaria cannot be labeled made in Israel. Now, this was one report. has not. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Do you have an update in terms of whether the State Department, in fact, has made this policy? This is a policy that was adopted in 1995 and updated in 1997. Uh, there, these are regulations that have been in place for all of this time, and the State Department did issue an advisory or a notice, um, a reminder, to, to right to remind people about the restriction because of those that are being imposed in Europe, uh, and it essentially says that the, the customs officials are not to admit stuff that produced in the West Bank if it does not say so, and it cannot say made in the West Bank of Israel or Israel and the West Bank. It has to specifically say made in the West Bank and could be barred. Now, I don't know that, I think it was not uh, applied, and this may indicate that there will be stricter application of it. It is not a new law. It is not uh, in any way changed from what has been on the books for a long time. Um, Mort Zuckerman has designated $100 million to fight the quote-unquote academic brain drain and increase cooperation between the U.S. and Israeli scientific collaboration. He's committed that money to attract postdoctoral researchers in science, math, and related fields from Western countries to Israeli universities and lower Israeli academics back. I, I was not aware that there that there is a brain drain problem in Israel. Is this as severe as he's painting a picture? Well, it doesn't apply to you and I, I guess, so... <laughs> Not, uh, but I never. Nobody, I, I, nobody I, I, threatening us of being responsible. For but I never thing. heard of people on that academic level who are leaving Israel in droves, or, or you well, know, or, or, people or, forget that Israel is still a relatively small country, and the opportunities for academics. That, you know, they used to say when Russian Jews came, you could tell which one um, uh, was a pianist because he was the only one not carrying an instrument. Because three million Jews, they said, entertained you know two hundred million Russians. And there are a limited number of orchestras, so people travel abroad or went abroad to, to join other orchestras, even while retaining their Israeli citizenship. And you have many, many Israeli scientists who have gone abroad and to, to great acclaim in many cases. Um, and it's really to foster greater exchanges, this program, uh, between American institutions and uh, of higher learning and Israeli institutions of higher learning. I was there at the ceremony, and... You know, I, I consider Morton a very close and great friend, and his gesture is very important. Hopefully others will emulate it, because w what he's essentially doing is providing the opportunity for them to come back and to build, uh, um, to build laboratories or whatever other infrastructure they need in order to continue that work. Uh, Israel, obviously, is on the cutting edge of, of um, many areas in science and technology, and this will serve as an enhancement and uh, each year there will be another one started, and so over time it will create a whole cadre of people who uh, who will be able, who will facilitate their coming and you know for uh, very talented students and and hopefully that students from in Israel who will be um, given an opportunity to stay and still grow in their chosen field. Yeah, never enough. Ac I mean, I'm, I'm not even saying this tongue in cheek. I'm being serious. Never enough academics as you try to grow your country. <laughs> right. Um, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, 
Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Uh, by the way, one other note on the uh, on the uh, International Holocaust Day. You saw the report that Eichmann had begged for clemency from Israeli officials. Yes, that they released uh, the letter, um, and uh, here's a guy who who denied millions clemency, children, women, people guilty of nothing, and this mass murderer then thinks he's entitled to clemency. Is Quite ironic. Yeah, it was somewhat bizarre, that's for sure. Uh, Human Rights Report has accused Israel of violence against the uh, Palestinians. Um, anything of note aside from Israel in that report? Well, I didn't read the uh, the rest of the report. When you get to that, it just uh, makes you sick and you, you shut off. But but it, it's nothing new. They they consistently put out these reports every year that are biased and one sided. Uh, um, in appearance uh, about Israel and uh, singling out Israel for double, triple, quadruple uh, standards, uh, it is—it's uh, just such a consistent pattern with them uh, over over a long period of time. You know, you don't see them talking about how uh, how Israel, Israel's contributions, and and all that Israel does of positive nature, including. In Gaza, including the medical treatment, including the, what they're doing on the Syrian border, uh, so many amazing things that that are being done. You, you saw the study that ranked Israel as the eighth most powerful country in the world. And this was a U.S. News and World study, but but it was done by uh, other um, uh, institutions to, that did this study itself and ranked them on on a number of criteria. But at the same time, the same day, it came out that Israel's um, high-tech sec- sector raised, I think, almost $4.5 billion in 2015, which was up 30% in a year when people said it would, be, uh, it would decrease greatly. And uh, there were, I think, a, over 700 deals involving Israeli you know, startups and companies. So the negative stories get still so much disproportionate coverage in the New York Times this week had oh, yeah. to issue a correction right. regarding its coverage of, of construction uh, and um, but but so few of the distorted stories there when they ran that story about the murder and says 13 year old girl um, uh, Palestinian girl 13 shot dead by Israeli guard without saying anything that she had a knife in her hand was stabbing that guard but that was the headline. Unbelievable. And nobody, very few people will read beyond that. Right. To get the real story. I wonder how many <laughs> how many people are even aware of the correction. Um, and frankly, it, it was a shock that they went ahead and corrected it. Uh, last night in the Trumpless uh, debate, Marco Rubio resolved that he will uh, uh, revoke the Iran deal uh, if, in fact, he becomes president of the United States. What, what is the? And we may end up asking this question every week for the next year. Who knows? But. What is the likelihood of any of this happening? If there is a different president, does this current Iran deal literally revert back if that president wishes to where it was before it was a deal? This deal was never passed. You remember that the vote in the Senate was 58-42 against it in the House, and they pulled a maneuver, a parliamentary maneuver, with the threat of the of the filibuster, et cetera, and got this... Uh, and then the president signed it, but it was never really passed. It's not a treaty. It's not. It doesn't have the standing of it. And the next president, 
according to legal interpretations that I've seen, is not bound by it. It will be very difficult to undo as the as the Europeans and others are rushing into deals. You saw this week the visit of President Rouhani of Iran to France and to Italy and meeting with the Pope. And, you know, they took him to a museum. And they covered up the things that they thought would be offensive. I've never seen them do it for another leader. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they took off the wine, but the French wouldn't because they wouldn't do a meal without French wine. Yeah. So they skipped the meal. Um, but we saw this week what's really happening in Iran and the so-called, quote, moderate, represented by uh, Rouhani, who, under whom there are more executions, executions of innocence than ever before. But the, the, um, the, the vetting panel knocked out 7,000 candidates out of 12,000. But of the candidates for the Council of Experts, which is the body that will pick the next Ayatollah, the next supreme leader uh, of Iran, they took out, uh, they left 166 of 801 candidates. And so anybody who was a moderate, anybody who wasn't seen as, as completely uh, compliant with the view of the hardliners uh, was, was eliminated. So those who think that we're going to see a liberal trend and we're going to see the government change and it's going to be all, all of these good things uh, uh, happening. In fact, during the Yom HaShoah, they had again the Holocaust cartoon contest so abhorrent that even UNESCO complained and issued a statement uh, uh, condemning it. And Khamenei himself, on that day, issued a, a video where they question whether the Shoah happened, whether the Holocaust happened, right. certainly questioning the uh, magnitude, uh, and, and, and it featured a lot of the leading Holocaust deniers uh, from Europe. So... We don't see any change. We see companies indeed running to to make deals. We'll see how many of them are actually uh, 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 consummated. But what we're seeing in terms of this election, with the elimination of so-called moderates from uh, uh, from even running, uh, sort of uh, presages what we can expect the outcome to be. So the hope of of bringing change to the people and that the people's needs would be somehow met. I think is is illusionary, and and we have again seen that that is true. And we see Iran now more active in Iraqi Kurdistan. The reports that finally came out about Iran and Hezbollah's activities in South America, Canadian and Mexican intelligence uh, did joint uh, work on it, and they talk about the extensive network about the um, that they found on the Mexican border with U.S. where they make fake passports and fake papers, where they're involved in all sorts of drugs and other. Uh, activities, uh, so I don't think that there can be any question. And they talked about the activities in, in not only in Mexico but Nicaragua and Chile and Colombia and uh, Bolivia and Ecuador. If you know, it's subject that I have been talking about for years on this show, and it is one of my uh, pet issues because no one will pay attention. Our own government won't pay attention. Nobody was really paying attention for this, which has been going on for so many years, and they built a huge infrastructure with tens of thousands of agents in South America and involved in all sorts of illicit activities and terrible activities. Um, and they said, one of them well, that was captured admitted, a guy, that he was part of the Iran Revolutionary Guard and that he was there to collect data on anti-Iranian um, activities and individuals, 
um, and, and to determine any th- any threats um, and pre- and to prepare strikes against those who were seen as uh, anti-Iran. So this tells the real story. And uh, just back to the beginning of this for a second, you mentioned the president of Iran going to Paris. At this point, is there, I don't know, any country that wouldn't welcome him? Not that there's a deal, not that there's all this business going on between countries, you know, many of them and Iran. Is there, I don't know, basically no restriction. I mean, I don't even know if there was a restriction beforehand on him making a state visit like that. Uh, but at this point, is there, is there, you know, is he welcome everywhere? Essentially, and uh, I don't think in Egypt or Saudi Arabia would welcome him right now. Right, understood. Uh, Any of the European countries? In in Europe today, they roll out the red carpet. They're all gearing up to make deals and to to um, treat him as uh, the enlightened leader. And uh, when you see who really pulls the strings by what I just told you about the election preparation, right. about the fact that they're continuing to provide support or increasing it to, to terrorist organizations that cut back a little bit on Hezbollah uh, because they didn't, don't have the cash right now or, or Hamas. But, but it doesn't stop Hamas from going ahead and uh, expanding all the underground tunnels. And the, there was one this week that collapsed because of the heavy rains and seven or eight of the uh, terrorists were, were killed. Yeah, that was in Khan Yunus. Um, but the, they're seeing that the, um, the people along near the border are again complaining about the underground digging and the noises that they had heard, you know, several years ago, two years ago, uh, as well as the upgraded in, 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 of the missile capacity, the sea uh, capacity attack by sea, and that is uh, anticipated that it would be a multi-pronged uh, attack the next time. Uh, yeah, but you, you see, I get frustrated week after week at, at, at you because you're our connection to the Israeli government in many cases, you know, in terms of the stabbings and the inability it seems to take control of that situation, which I understand we discussed it at length last week. But here, I don't know. I mean, if average citizens have their eyes and ears on the situation and understand that what's happening below them is the digging of tunnels, and now all this evidence comes out because of this uh, you know, accident where, where these people are killed. I mean, it, 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 we know, we know that there's no choice but to protect the citizens of Israel. They've got to eliminate these tunnels. The Israeli army has... Yeah. So I'm glad you you raised that because I should have said it uh, when I when I spoke about it. The answer is that Israel is developing technology, applying that technology to try and find um, these uh, tunnels as they are being built. They have closed them. They blow them up. They learned the lessons from the past that you have to go in and destroy them completely. These and that is how they know that they have multiple exits. You know, it's not just a, a linear tunnel where you have the one end in, uh, opening, and as you know, that many of these openings could be underneath the sink. It could be in somebody's kitchen and bathroom. Um, you don't see the construction uh, because it's set back in Gaza, but they monitor it all the time. They do look for it. It's not as if they're ignoring it, and the sound that people hear could is not necessarily in the immediate vicinity of, of the house. It may sound it, but um, and they dig deeper. And uh, as you, in one recent case, they found that they had uh, imported metal plates and lined the, um, which they said was for housing construction, but really they used it to line the uh, the tunnels that they built, and they wanted to use it again to kidnap soldiers and to be able to carry out attacks as part of a coordinated effort 
that would involve uh, drones, would involve um, launching rockets and uh, sea attacks. So uh, Israel is definitely doing a lot. You don't talk about it. They don't talk about it because it's not something you want to expose how you do it and what you do. Uh, it's more important that you do it. Yeah, no, I understand that. It just... It's frustrating, believe me, the stabbings and things are much more frustrating for every member of the military, the police, and, and I speak to them about it, and they, you know, it's not an organized effort that you can crush a headquarters. They're taking actions every day. They're arresting uh, Hamas cells. They, we know that the, the um, son of Nasrallah was involved in trying to establish a cell and brought $5,000 in to pay people to be involved. And how many, uh, almost every day that there are arrests and, and the, the intelligence uh, network is, is so important to Israel's security. And when people complain or, you know, the media and others talk about Israel going across and going in at night to, the, to some of the camps and other places, cities, to uh, arrest people because the PA doesn't do it or the PA would prefer that Israel do it. And they're essential, but each of these things saves God knows how many lives. And the key, again, is ending the incitement, stopping the PA from, you know, shirking its responsibility. They are directly responsible for a lot of the incitement coming from their own media and their statements and their honoring of terrorists and declaring them martyrs and all of the other activities that uh, we saw so evidence in the 15-year-old who, who, who killed Daphne uh, Mayer when, who, who said that he had just finished watching PA TV, yeah. uh, which runs these things day and night, and um, you know the insightful uh, programs. So um, this is uh, the government of Israel faces incredible challenges, and I think does overall a remarkable job. But you don't read about the successes, you don't hear about the successes. You hear of Chas Shalom, something that takes place. Yeah, well, in this case, you just wonder how, if there's so much evidence that these tunnels <laughs> exist, <laughs> and how much more evidence you need than what happened this week, you, you just wonder how they can, can how they, how it can continue like that. How it's, well, Israeli, it's Israeli officials and military who are telling us that they exist and acknowledging uh, uh, what is going on in Gaza and and monitoring it, and short of reoccupying Gaza. They have to operate with uh, with a lot of limitations on them and their ability to, uh, uh, you know, root out the whole infrastructure uh, again. So they try to limit what is sent in, and then the world condemns them for, you know, having uh, limitations on, on Gaza, having, uh, you know, restrictions and uh, all sorts of exaggerated uh, accounts when, in fact, a thousand trucks a day go in and, and Israel... Uh, allows them a lot more leeway, despite the fact that they take advantage of it. To and uh, and by the way, the Egyptians are far more tough on, on this, and they've flooded and and closed uh, um, perhaps fifteen hundred uh, tunnels on their side. Right. Um, and God willing, we'll go and see it and be able to report on it more directly. But they've taken really tough steps, and the world gives them a lot more leeway when they cleared that the. Uh, Houses and everything that were obstructing or, or being used as cover along the border, they went in and the world said this is unacceptable, and they said, "Good, and you let your citizens be killed." And they went ahead and did what they had to do, and uh, and I think Israel is doing what it has to do. Yeah, uh, you know, again, I know, 
I know I bring this up every once in a while, but you watch the debates, and you know you get these thirty second snippets of how everybody's going to de- is going to destroy ISIS, as if they're going to pick up a gun themselves and go and you know and and eradicate every single member of uh, of IS wherever they may be in this world. And I don't know, is it comical to you to to hear these military assessments and these thirty second sound bites? Simplifying and or making the threat of ISIS and the global terrorist network and the dangers that we face simplistic is is counterproductive. And people think then you can just, you know, if if we only committed a few more troops, if we did something, what we need is an all-out war against them. We know, for instance, and I reported on the show a couple of weeks ago about ISIS relocating to Libya, if you remember, and and that there were five thousand of them in Sirte. Now, if, if on JM and AM on a Friday morning, that information is heard. They must have known it other places, and it shouldn't <laughs> have been such a great revelation that two days ago, all of a sudden, they're talking about IS, uh, Islamic State, and Al Qaeda right. seizing territory and establishing themselves in Sirte, right. which is 300 miles across from Crete and from Europe, which has become a base of of uh, operation that they're both. Is seeking to establish a territorial control to, to uh, as a training ground and and to um, um, and they take advantage of the chaos in, in Libya and have in fact carried out some attacks on the oil installations in that country. So ISIS IS may have had some setbacks in Syria, they may have had some you know here or there, but it doesn't matter because they continue to grow and they're not. It's not. One central operation, Hezbollah, is more affected by its losses in uh, Syria, I would say, where it has a ramification at home where people uh, want them to, to say, we didn't send our boys to die fighting in Syria, it's supposed to fight against Israel. And, he, and Nasrallah then gives a speech refocusing the attention and his, his uh, pledges to destroy Israel because he knows how much uh, dissent there is. And they've also had financial problems that cut the salaries in half. Uh, they uh, at the same time, though we see uh, groups moving into cities like Dara, where despite the pledges by Putin and others that they would not allow allow the IRGC or Hamas or I mean Hezbollah or any of these groups in. In fact, they are there, and that gets very close to Jordan and Israel's borders. Yeah, year from today we'll have a new president in this country. Wonder if much is going to be different. I don't know. Well, a year in politics is a very, very long time. People uh, should realize that we, you know, you have to deal with today and tomorrow. And while the election is important and everybody should be involved, uh, we have a year yet of this administration. We have a year of challenges in the Middle East, which are are very great. And um, as we cite only a few each week, these are, are all going to be very critical, uh, and what is done today and tomorrow about them is important. You saw the Greek-Israeli-Cyprus um, joint meeting and, and summit, and uh, both of them saying that this is not anti-Turk, Turkey. Um, but the fact is that, that countries are increasingly recognizing the dangers that they face and the need for them to come together, and that Israel is an integral part of the solution, not of the problem. If I don't ask you about this uh, secret meeting with Jonathan Pollard, I can't walk into shul tonight. So what could you tell us about uh, your and other Jewish leaders' encounters with Jonathan Pollard this week? So you're dominating at home tonight? <laughs> I, may, oh. I may have to. <laughs> so 
it wasn't secret at our request. It, Jonathan Pollard approached me, and uh, we had a, a meeting, and, and he said that his one request was, uh, one meeting he wanted to make was with the President's Conference that he looked forward for many years. They wanted to come and thank us for what we did and thank the members and others who, who helped. And uh, I felt that it was important to, to grant the correct request because he said he's not doing any media, he's not doing any other meetings, he's trying to honor all the pledges that he made. Uh, and our executive committee certainly approved it, and we had a meeting. We didn't announce it to the press because we didn't want it to become a circus and because we wanted him to be able to speak confidentially. And unfortunately, somebody leaked the fact that the meeting was taking place, and his lawyers were somewhat apprehensive, so he was allowed to make an opening statement, and his wife then gave the detailed uh, presentation that he would have given, uh, mostly about the conditions of his parole and the restrictions that are uh, very onus restrictions that are placed upon him. Uh, he, I have to say he's very articulate. He has a great sense of humor. He's, uh, rem it's remarkable that he's not bitter and he's not uh, angry. Um, he, he acquitted himself, uh, both of them, very well, and um, you know. Then everybody had to go and leak it, and in fact, it was he, the he, Pollard people themselves who, who leaked the details of the stories, not the members of the president. He, he, and that he, was to preempt. He said he looks better than I would have expected. Yes, he's gained a considerable amount of weight, and he's uh, looks more robust. But he also has still a lot of medical uh, issues. He looked, he looked pretty good, though, I must say. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> uh, all right, I asked the question, I got the answer, and I appreciate that. Uh, so when is, you're heading to Israel next week. When does this happen, the big uh, mission to uh, the February mission with the President's Conference? Well, I, I head to Israel next week, and then we are going to visit uh, two region, two countries in the Middle East, and then we start the week after the full uh, week of the conference's annual leadership mission in Israel. And we have some conferences, and then I'll be going to Europe back again. All right, so we'll, we got to figure out the schedule because uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff juggling over the next couple of weeks. We'll let the audience know, of course, way in advance. I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining us. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update Friday mornings here at JMA. And we are having trouble with the com website. That's probably evident to anybody who's tried to go there. Our app seems to be working fine. The NSN app, thank God, seems to be working fine. People commenting on the app, people listening on the app. So I thank you all for doing that. And jmnam.org, of course, you can tune in to the stream and be uh, hooked in all through the day. Don't forget that Kedem presents our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix, and that's happening all through the day, all the way until candlelighting time. Make sure to uh, tune in and keep that music going all day long. No better way to get your Erev Shabbos going and your Shabbos started. And um, again, I remind you, schedule-wise, we're going to be recording a week from tomorrow night the Kosher Halftime Show that's happening in Teaneck's Doghouse to be aired the following day during the halftime of the big game. And the uh, journey to Israel to make a very, very direct declaration that we are with our brothers and sisters during this time, uh, presented by our friends at Pomegranate, Mr. A. Banda, Everybody at Pomegranate, they are presenting this uh, journey to Israel for us, and we thank them. We're going to be broadcasting from some unique and different types of locations, both in New York, in New York both in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. We'll give you plenty of details about all that next week right here 
at JM in the AM. And when you go into Pomegranate in Brooklyn or see Mr. A. Banda, make sure to extend great thanks because he has completely understood the purpose of the Jewish Unity Initiative. This time each and every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Yisro. What a rich Parsha this is. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Yisro contains three positive mitzvos and 14 restrictions. Moreover, if you recall, at the very beginning of the Torah, throughout the account of creation, the Torah tells us, Vayere Vahivoker, it was evening and it was morning, Yom Echad, day one. Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, second day, the third day, up until day six, where instead of saying and keeping with the others, Yom Shishi, the Torah says Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. And Rashi brings the exciting idea that God put a stipulation into creation and said, if the Jewish people will accept my Torah on the sixth day, the sixth day of Sivan, observing, connoting the holiday of Shavuos, then there is a purpose and fulfillment to my creation of a world. If not, there is no purpose for this world. And so, this Kriyas Torah, this Shabbos, Parshas Yisro, is a actualization of creation. Moreover, I'll be honored if you bring to the table a Chumash Devarim and open up to chapter 4, Verse 9 in Parshas for Eschanan, where Moshe recounting to the next generation, the ones about to go into Eretz Yisrael, and before he repeats for them the Ten Commandments as we have them in this week's Parsha, Moshe warns the Jewish people, Rak Hishamer Lucha. I'm warning you, Ushmor old, be especially careful. lest you forget the matter, the phenomena, Asherah which your eyes saw, lest you remove this from your heart all the days of your life, but rather, you are to teach them this idea to your children and grandchildren. What are we speaking about? Verse 10, 
the day that you stood at Sinai. According to the Ramban, this verse is a positive mitzvah. A positive mitzvah that you are always to remember that which happened at Sinai, not just the Ten Commandments that were given there and the specifics of those commandments, but the circumstance of that day. As we read in chapter 19 of this week's Parsha, of Parsha's Yisro, the entire setting whereby, and this is so important to tell your children, not only, as we'll see in a moment or two, the kolos uvrakim, the lund, the thunder, and the lightning, and the fire, and the cloud, but understand the following concept. No other people on the face of this earth ever have made the following claim, which what we do and is the basis of our religion, namely, that God not only communicated and extended prophecy to Moshe, the greatest of all prophets, but that the entire nation of Israel experienced prophecy at Mount Sinai. Torah, as we are taught in the last parsha in the Torah, in Parsha Zos HaBracha, Torah, Sivolanu Moshe. Moshe commanded us the Torah, and Torah in Gematria is 611. 611 mitzvos we got through Moshe, but two we received directly from God, the first two of the Ten Commandments. And so, what we have in Parshas Yisro is that incredible revelation of God to the nation of Israel. I'd like to share with you a medrash that I suspect most of us are familiar with and a very interesting insight into this Medrash. The Medrash is based on the verse in the beginning of Vizos HaBracha on the Pasuk Hashem Misinai Ba Vizorach Miseir Lomo Rashi brings part of this Medrash and that is that prior to giving of the Torah to the Jewish nation God went and offered his Torah to the other nations. And so he asked Esav, Do you want my Torah? And they asked him, Ma What's written there? And God said, Lo sirtzach, You are not to murder. They said, Sorry, it's built into our very nature and heritage as Yitzchak blessed Esav you will live by the sword. Hashem went to the peoples of Ammon and Moab 
Would you like my Torah? What's written there, they asked. God said, you're not to commit adultery. They said, sorry, our very coming into this world came about through the incense of father and his two daughters. God then went to Yishmael. Do you want my Torah? What's written? And Hashem said to them, Lo signo, you're not to steal. And they said to him, Wait a minute. The bracha that was given by the Malach to Hagar, call him Yishmael, and he shall be a pere odam, a wild ass of a man. Yodobakol v'yadkol bo, literally, he will plunder others. How can we not? And then what happened? We find that he comes to the Jewish nation. Now we don't find that Hashem asked, and we, do we want it? To that we said, sure, nasevanishma. And therefore, we didn't ask God specifically what's written therein. However, the Klechemda, at the end of Parshas Peshalach, brings in the name of the Chidushe Horim an incredible idea. And that is as follows. Hashem did ask the Jewish people, Do you want my Torah? And they asked Hashem as the other nations had asked. Ma'akosavba, what's written there? And Hashem answered, Hagbeil es the Kidash to. If you open up your Chumash to this week's parsha of Yisro and turn to chapter 19, which is the introductory chapter to the giving of the Torah, we find that in chapter 19, Pasuk 12, Hashem says, Vigbalto esha'om soviv lemor, that you shall set boundaries for the people around the mountain, warning them that, Hishamru lachem, alos pahar, you're not to ascend the mountain or even touch its edge as long as the revelation is going on until the shofar is blown. This is found in Pasuk 12. As the chapter goes on and read it at your table, you'll see that the excitement builds and we are getting closer and closer to the actual revelation. And so what do we find? The people prepare themselves, they go to mikvah, and the Torah tells us the thunder and lightning in verse 16, and the mountain itself is trembling, the people are trembling, Moshe brings the people towards the mountain, they're standing at the bottom of Sinai, and the mountain is Oshan Kulo in Pasuk 18, it was smoking because God has come down in fire, 
and the shofar is being blown, and one can only imagine the terrifying experience and moment that they're all experiencing. And finally, in Pasuk 20, God calls Moshe up to the mountain, and Moshe ascends the mountain. And so, what would you expect? Immediately after that, you'd expect God to give the Ten Commandments, which comes a few psukim later. But in between Moshe's coming up to the mountain and the actual declaration of the Ten Commandments, the Torah allows us to eavesdrop on a conversation between God and Moshe right before the giving of the Ten Commandments. Now that Moshe is up at the top of the mountain, Hashem says, Moshe, go down. Why? I want you to warn the people again, lest they go and go up on the mountain and go warn the firstborn, the Bechor, who are acting as the Kohanim, lest they go up the mountain. So Moshe says in Pesach 23, wait a minute, Hashem, I don't have to go down and tell them, I've already told them once. To which Hashem responds in Pesach 24, go down and tell them again. And it's only afterwards in Pesach 25 that Moshe goes down to the people that immediately after that you have once finally the actual pronouncement of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. So now the obvious question is why? Why is this repeated again? Tell the people not to go up. Tell the people that there must be a boundary, etc. Says the Chidushe Arim. Something so exciting. And that is as follows. That just as the Ma'akosav Bey, what's written there, and the answer that was given to the other nations really showed what their essence was. Here, what is the essence that has to repeat it again for the Jewish people? The essence was, you can't ascend the mountain. What does that mean? It means that the Jew was created. His very essence is, he wants more. He wants to get closer to Hashem. He wants more spirituality. As indeed, the Navi, Yeshaya says, Am Zu, Li, this nation... I formed Tilasi Yisapiru. Yeshaya in chapter 43, verse 21. Its very Yitzira, its very essence is to proclaim my praises, to really get close to Hashem. And so there is a natural inclination, a natural drive among Jews for this spirituality. The Jew always wants more. Now, ideally, it should be more of spirituality. Unfortunately, at times, it's not always channeled in that direction, but it's more knowledge, and it's more success in life. Never being satisfied with where we are, always wanting more. This is literally in our DNA. And this is such a powerful idea. This is such a a compliment to the Jewish people that 
Hashem had to say, hold back, and we had to go back down again, Moshe, to make sure that they would comply with this, because this was going against our nature. And this is such a powerful idea. As we read the Aseris Hadibros, as we relive the experience of Sinai, it's not only reminding us how we thank God become a partner to creation with Hashem by having accepted and every generation accept His Torah. But more important, we're reminded of this very special ingredient within our DNA to want more. And may we be privileged to channel this she'ifa, this greater desire for more, especially in the area of his service and spirituality. Shabbat Shalom to all. Zod Yom Shishi, Noshem et Avir, Aove Atzel Mesachakim Shuv Tofesen. השולחן ארוך, תמונות ילדות על הקיר, שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת. והריח הזה, ששורק לי את הלב, מתגנב, מתגנב, ופותח דלתות, אל אושר קטן, אל אותו שיר ישן, שעובר אצלנו במשך דור. תנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה, עיגולים של אמונה, מתנות קטנות, מי שהוא שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר
A.M. Rami Kleinstein, a uh, a song we introduced to you a couple of weeks ago, perfect for an era of Shabbos, Matanot Tanot here at J.M. in the A.M. That is one nice selection. He is quite the balladeer in Israel, as we've been pointing out. He has been uh, becoming closer and closer, more and more attracted to the uh, religious community in Israel, and it really is a uh, an amazing thing to see. Rami Kleinstein, the great performer and star in Israel with Matanot Tanot. 14 minutes before 9 o'clock, it's JM in the AM. Kosher halftime show a week from tomorrow night at the Teaneck Doghouse with Lipa. We've announced that Lipa is the guest star for the um, for the uh, Kosher halftime show. We are looking forward to that immensely. Plenty of talk about that this coming week. Don't forget this weekend, you have Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night. Matis Weingast and JM Sunday on Sunday. We are having a difficulty with the NahumSiegel.com website. The app is fine. Uh, if you want to access this show, if you want to hear everything going on, if you want to listen to our Kedem Erev Shabbos music mix all day long today, just access the app. The app for Android, the app for um, for iPhone. It's as simple as that. Just access the app and you'll have everything at your fingertips and I certainly hope that you'll go ahead and do so and enjoy all of our programming today and all through the weekend. And, of course, we're back here on Monday morning. We mentioned the passing of Ravelsky. Ravelsky passed away at the age of 78. The uh, funeral uh, service at 10 o'clock this morning at Tarvadas in Brooklyn. Uh, he will certainly be missed uh, by thousands and thousands. And um, so that's in Brooklyn today at 10. And then they fly to uh, Eretz They fly to Israel tomorrow night. Uh, after Shabbos, that is the schedule regarding the uh, passing of Ravelski. Twelve minutes before nine o'clock, J.M. Nam with thirty-six degrees, showers and a high of forty-two. Candle lighting at four fifty on this hour of Shabbos. Four fifty is your official candle lighting time. Hi. On this hour of Shabbos, I wanted to mention. I was contacted by the clinical director of the Hask Center. The Open Door is a two-hour seminar held by the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities. It is a requirement for parents to attend this in order to be able to access services like day have programs, community habilitation, respite services, etc. It's offered periodically, and this coming Wednesday, it's being presented at the Hask Center facility starting at 5 p.m. on 63rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. That's 1600 63rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. For information, speak with Miriam at 718-535-1953. That's 
1953. So again, it's the Open Door Two-Hour Seminar brought to you by the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities. It's a requirement for parents who want access to services. Again, information 718-535-1953. Well, once the uh, Kosher Halftime Show excitement is over, I remind you we're heading to Israel. Jewish Unity Initiative is heading to Israel. We're doing so to broadcast from Israel with a rather direct message, and the message is that everybody out there should be traveling to Israel and doing what we can for our brothers and sisters there. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Abe Banda, everybody at Pomegranate in Brooklyn. Uh, when he was presented with this idea, he immediately uh, jumped aboard to support it, and we are uh, indebted to him and to Pomegranate in Brooklyn, New York, for that. The Jewish Unity Initiative is going to be broadcasting from a variety of places all through the following week, starting on the 8th of February. And again, that is our message. Our message is when our brothers and sisters are facing difficult circumstances. We are there for them. And in addition to that, we remind everybody here and in other places in diaspora to continue to travel to Israel as much as possible. Want to wish a mazel tov to the Lefkowitz and Itzkowitz families. Mendy and Avigail Itzkowitz of Flatbush, Brooklyn, have a brand new baby girl. Want to uh, wish a special mazel tov to grandparents, the Lefkowitzes in Brooklyn, New York. And of course... To Grandpa Shimon Lefkowitz, <laughs> uh, who uh, gave me the good news and called in the wonderful piece of news. So again, to the um, to the uh, Lefkowitz and Itzkowitz families, Mazalta from all of us here at JM and the AM. Brand new baby girl, what wonderful news! Here's the great Benzion Schenker.
Nachman's coming up next with Table for Two. Uh, Tatiana Shelvester, owner of Heavenly Cake Pops and cookbook author Elizabeth Kurtz are her guests. Kedem presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler tomorrow night uh, starting at 9 p.m. J.M. Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. on uh, Sunday. So much great programming all through the weekend. Make sure to be on the NSN app. Uh, um, time to take a Shabbos with Journeys. Shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Cause all your work is done 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Wraps up another great week for us here at JM in the AM. Again, a reminder, the funeral of Ravelski of a blessed memory uh, takes place at 10 o'clock this morning at the Tarvadas in Brooklyn, New York. He'll be flown to Israel tomorrow night. May his blessing be a memory for all of Israel, which no doubt it will. Uh, coming up next, Naomi Nachman, encore presentation of Table for Two, Kedem presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long until candle lighting time. And um, all through the weekend, great programming, including JM Sunday with Mott this Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend, plenty more starting on Monday. Till then, Achim Sigal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.